Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael spend their waking hours locked in mortal dialogue combat about the top four things of any given topic. And this week is no different when they discuss the Mount Rushmore of athletes appearing in sketches on Saturday Night Live. Who chose it? Uh, this would be mine. Why? Uh. No, no, I, I, I chose it, I think, because I'm, I'm fascinated whenever athletes, or really anyone who's not in, not an actor comes on Saturday Night Live as a host, yeah, yeah. but particularly athletes, because even with musicians, there's still kind of, there's a performance aspect to what they do, mm-hmm. versus athletes who are generally completely out of their element yeah. when asked to do like a comedy improv-ish sort right. of show. And it's such a, you can have like, sometimes... You find people who are secretly really great at it, and sometimes they're complete disasters. Yes. Versus whenever you have a professional actor who comes on, more or less they're going to be competent like with mm-hmm. the performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you kind of know what you're going to get, and sometimes people are funnier than you would think, or maybe yeah. not as funny. But yeah. the spectrum's pretty like yeah. low. They seem, they seem to fall into a few categories of like, either they're, they're typecast playing whatever, an athlete in whatever sport they're in. Right or they put them in a dress, frequently, uh, or yeah. uh, or you know, in some some version of drag, or they uh, make them try to do some sort of like uh, impression of like another uh, athlete or friend of theirs, right? And uh, it will frequently have teammates come on like to shout at them from yeah. the, during the monologue yeah, from yeah, the yeah. audience. <laughs> That's another another good trope. And uh, every once in a while, they're just like in a in a very traditional SNL sketch. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. Yeah. Something where they that's stand. Deon, that's Deion Sanders. Yeah. Huh. Working in the drive-thru. Or where Deion Sanders is working the drive-thru or something. Right. Like where, yeah. where they're recognized as, as themselves in the thing. Mm-hmm. Would you, one thing I think is interesting is how athletes uh, in all of these athletes or any athletes that has appeared most likely on SNL probably went through media training at some point. And has more time in front of a camera than your average plumber or something. So I was wondering why they aren't a little bit better than they are. Well, how many plumbers have you seen on SNL, Jeff? Oh my God, they had the whole plumber season That's the other true, day. Right. But like the the idea that Mario um, was great on my, that one. <laughs> Joe the plumber, Joe the not plumber. so much. Christopher Plumber was on there. The the I I always think they could be a little bit better than they are, and I'm kind of surprised when they're not. When it's a professional boxer. I'm not surprised. <laughs> at well, all. I, well, we, I think I, I have four that I think are great, and also I did leave off wrestlers. There are no wrestlers on my list. I think, yeah. as we might have discussed, in, they're kind of actors. They're live performers, so I think the pressure on them is a little bit less. All right, so you're starting us off, Michael. Uh, my first choice is the Peyton Manning United Way sketch from also, 2007. Also on my list, first it's, one I thought of. It's probably just one of the best SNL sketches. Period. Full period. Stop. Yeah. Open. Get open. All right, so uh, Michael White. I can't even look at you. You know what? Uh, Go sit in the portal for twenty minutes. It initially kind of starts out really, really close to the vest, like Peyton Manning. um, Noted good guy in real life. Yeah, one noted good guy in real life. Two noted kind of a hole. 
like as <laughs> as a quarterback. Right. Uh, you know, whenever like something kind of uh, a mistake happens on the field, he you know he's always very physically upset. At his receiver, or you know, he starts chastising these kids for you know missing a block or not yeah. picking up a blitz or whatever, and all the and all the the, the, the audible stuff too, the calling out like yeah he yeah. <laughs> and uh, I I just loved how this kind of like devolves into like Bateman is just a bad bad person <laughs> and they start picking the locks on the car and the tattoo and well I think it works because the, this is one of the frequent kind of tropes of SNL athlete sketches right is to subvert whatever the public persona is that you have of that person and then do a sketch yeah. that kind of like just flips that. Yeah. So maybe it might be something where, and I don't know if they did this when Deion Sanders was on, but have him actually be somebody who hates flashy things and right. something like that. Yeah. And it works with Peyton Manning because this is like, like I said, he is noted sort of like good guy goober in real life. Mm-hmm. Sure. I kind of, he built country boy kind of, uh, you know, big uh, contributor to the children's hospital in Indianapolis and, uh, you know, has been involved in charity just since kind of yeah. the beginning of his football career. As as most, you know, as most famous athletes are, they're all, you know, most of them either are kind of contracted to be involved in some sort of charity. Or like the actually, United Way. Yeah, or actually, you know, do it. And of course, I, growing up watching football, you've seen these United Way ads for years of the, you know, doing good in the community, da, 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 yeah. da, da. So just, it, I think it works because it, it works specifically with Peyton Manning in a way it wouldn't have worked with a lot of the other athletes maybe who are on this mm-hmm. on our list list yeah. today you did the comment i thought was interesting was that he is known the the fake commercial does expose does counter his his public uh, good guy persona but also exposes that he knows that he's kind of a jerk on the field too mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah so i think people do that on snl especially around election years politicians <laughs> go on to have somebody do an impersonation of them and to show how affable they are when that happens so and i think not all athletes and really not all celebrities have that have a level of self-awareness mm-hmm. and ability to poke fun at themselves yeah and usually those are the hosts that kind of fall, fail yeah. Saturday Night Live. You yeah. know, so a host who can kind of come in and do something like this, where he's willing to make fun of his public persona, you know, and, and who knew Peyton Manning had such comedic timing? Well, right. I mean, he's made he's basically made a second career out of being Peyton Manning commercial comedian. You talked about that, Jeff, at the beginning. Like, why don't some you know you'd yeah. be surprised how many of these people either you know that have gone through some sort of commercial training or some sort of mm-hmm. you know on camera. Like, he seems very natural at it, and you know. It's usually built around kind of this aw shucks, good yeah. guy sort of thing, right? Um, but he's kind of slips into that on camera more naturally than, I mean, even his brother who's been on SNL, and it's just like, uh, uh go uh, back to yeah, go back, go to, back to like uh, commercials uh, where you show off your wristwatches. <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's Eli yeah. Manning's. Like, okay, you can hold your hand up. Done. Pey- Peyton Nailed Manning it. can do weird commercials where he's a little guy. In I, people's refrigerators, talking about top and nod. I do like that people complain so much about him. Like, oh, why is he on TV? You know, he's the only one that seems to be able to do it. Yeah, because he's good one. at it. Yeah. How about that? So I guess that's both of your first. So yes. Richard, what's your second? I'm um, sticking in the quarterback mode. I have Joe Montana. Oh, fun! With uh, the sincere guy stew. Also on my list. Uh, two also for two. on your list. Nice to meet you. God, this guy's a stiff. Uh, Leslie was going to sleep in the living room. Unless that's a problem for you, in which case she could sleep in my room and I could sleep on the floor. Come on, you idiot. Help me out. 
You know, maybe it would be better if I stayed in Dan's room, because we don't want to inconvenience you. Hey, it's fine with me if you stay in the living room. It won't bother me at all. It's fine with me if she stays in the living room. It doesn't bother me at all. Well, thanks a lot, Stu. Yeah, thanks a lot, jerk. You know, you are so sweet. Boy, is this guy lame. Well, listen, Stu, I think Leslie and I are going to stay up a while and talk, so I guess we'll uh, see you tomorrow. Great. See you tomorrow. Great. I'll see them tomorrow. Quietly, so as not to disturb you, okay? Oh, you won't disturb me. I'll be in my room masturbating. They won't disturb me. I'll be masturbating. Good night. So keep in mind that Joe Montana, while being an incredible quarterback in the 80s and 90s, was also one of the most bland and like milk toast mm-hmm. uh, personalities, probably in sports of his era. I remember Jim Rome used to call him alternately uh, Barry Manilow. Because yeah. of his blandness and sort of, kind of facial uh, yeah. appearance, kind of looking like him a little bit, and also China Joe, just for being very fragile and kind of he just there's a reason why Tom Brady was like he was Tom Brady's idol mm-hmm. growing up. I mean they they both kind of had that same sort of you couldn't really affix a personality trait to them other uh, than being sort of just good at football uh-huh. and kind of generally sort of affable, kind of a doofy sort of way. Mm-hmm. And they had him on, um, it was a, right before one of the Super Bowls in 92, I think it was, maybe. Um, him and Walter Payton co-hosted, so they kind of split it, so neither of them had to do too much heavy lifting. The only skit I remember was this one skit, it's um, Phil Hartman and Jan Hooks basically playing a couple on a date, and they go back to his place. Yes? This is from 1986. 86? Was it from 86? Wow. Yeah. That makes, I guess it makes more sense that way. Yeah. Um, so it was from 86 then. Yeah. I just didn't know if you wanted to re-record that as Why like, don't we do that? From yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sure, from, sure, sure, sure. I, I don't want you to seem like you're totally stupid. Even though. Uh, Whee! I don't, you know. Okay, yeah. I'm, no, the nice guy, I'm the nice guy here, not you know letting you out, gonna yeah. hang out to dry when we get all of our fan mail that what says like, oh, by the way, Richard, it's in 1992, uh, you idiot. 1992, he's they won the Super Bowl. He was already the, 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 the Chiefs, you moron. Let's do an experiment where we just spout <laughs> Nazi propaganda just to see if anybody messages anything. Uh-huh. So, okay. So tell me about this. Episode. Yeah, so basically, this was in 90... Oh, I did it again, God damn it. So... So 86, they had him and Walter Payton co-host an episode. I think it was right before a Super Bowl. Both the teams had been knocked out like in, in the playoffs at some point. That's really strange. Uh, sorry to jump in, but yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's strange for them to bring on someone, even though they're well-known as a failure. Usually, SNL is like, oh, this person won the Super Bowl, and here's Joe Flacco hosting Saturday Night Live, and you're like... Ugh. Yeah, you know, this guy just because he won, just because he won doesn't yeah. mean that they're interesting, mm-hmm. or doesn't mean that they're going to be a good talent. You know, it, maybe well, maybe it speaks to the like their management, and they're just like, we've got to get the Joe Flacco brand yeah. out on SNL, and they won. Well, I think in in, in this if this was '86, I believe this would have been the Giants. Broncos Super Bowl, I think. But maybe they... That feels right. Maybe both those guys just kind of transcended. Like, and, and their that, yeah, superstardom transcended. And that was kind of my point. I mean, total losers that year. Yeah, it was kind of my point. I think if they would have waited for the... There's no, like, superstar on the Giants. It would have been, like, super compelling. I mean, the Broncos had Elway, but talking about losers back in the 80s. That guy. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> take take that, Elway. 
So the only sketch I remember, or two sketches I remember from this, one was Walter Payton hosting the uh, sports music video countdown, which segged into We Are Kickers, We Kick Ball. <laughs> possibly could have made my list. Um, and then this one, which was the setup was Phil Hartman and Jan Hooks are a couple out on a date. They go back to his place. And the first half of it is kind of a one joke premise. The, which, yeah. The which entire is, thing is one joke premise. It's, which is, it's a one joke premise, but then with an incredible kicker at the end. Yeah. So the, the premise is essentially you can hear their internal dialogue and whatever they're saying is the complete opposite of what they're thinking. All right. So the both time they're think they're like kind of go like, hey, you know, if it's getting late, if you want to sleep on my couch, I mean, totally by yourself. I mean, that'd be fine. God, I hope she does. I so want to have sex. And she's like, well, I don't know. Oh, so I don't want to seem like a slut, but I so want to have sex. And then midway through, Joe Montana kind of comes in as Phil Hartman's roommate. And the gag is that unlike the two of them, he is so simple minded. Um, that he has like no internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. Whatever he says, no is what he, yeah, yeah, he has like whatever he's thinking is what he says. There's like nothing in there, and therefore the two of them think he is such a complete like drip, and like just, just boring as hell. Yeah. Until the very end, when he's getting ready to go to bed, and goes, "Well, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go upstairs and masturbate." And you hear his internal dialogue: "I'm going to go upstairs and masturbate," <laughs> and then just goes upstairs. Boom! That's the end of the sketch. I like this because it was such a very obvious one note SNL sketch that kind of goes on a little too long. Mm-hmm. And like the like by the time you get to the first joke and the second joke with him and the third, you're just like, OK, he's I don't know if you're kind of waiting for the turn of him to not. Yeah. Yeah. But they never get there. They mm-hmm. just they just keep on that kind of SNL path. And it's amazing to uh, see an SNL sketch that you're just like, oh, they've done so many hundreds of these where they kind of keep the same thing up going over and over and over. And they, they, I guess they took a turn, like you said, with the yeah. kicker, but it's not, it never quite, like if they didn't done something else would have been amazing. Like if his final, mm. if his final thing was like, I'm going to kill them all in their yeah, sleep or like something. That would, have, that would have been like an actual twist. It was just kind of like, I, I think, I don't know. I think they betrayed mm. the joke. I think that would have been, I, I, I think two or three times. Like, I think that they, I really like this sketch just because it felt, it felt it feels so much like an SNL sketch that I've seen so many times, especially it, from the mid '80s when they kind of didn't have their footing yeah. quite right. But I would I would argue now we're arguing comedy, which I fucking hate. That's doing. okay. We have we have a, a judge here who's That's a true. comedian who can tell us who is right, <laughs> but and I th- who is Richard. See, I almost feel <laughs> I almost feel like that if they would have gone with that kind of twist, like oh I'm going to kill them all in their sleep or something like that. No, well I, that's hacky. I wouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, you would have. You you would have. Um, I feel like this is almost like it's such like it was such an out of left field thing to kind of just continue down that path to find a way to continue down that path, but then have the sort of like thing you are totally not expecting Joe freaking Montana. Uh-huh. And that was kind of my point. It's Joe Montana. He is the blandest, most boring yeah. people in the world. So yeah. to have him come out with this like punchline that makes him seem like a total like like mm-hmm. skeevy mm-hmm. creep. You know what's funny just, is that what, what was like when we're watching it. Whoa! What the hell was that all about? One of the first sketches that I remember, and I don't think this is on your list because uh, I've seen your list, is the Reggie Jackson um, and early early SNL. Reggie Jackson was the host. Okay, and he's kind of a camp counselor at a camp full of uh, bees or oh that, the killer bees, the, the killer bees. Okay, and um, he 
he talks about a uh, there's a masturbation <laughs> subplot in that oh, is there? sketch as well. So that's funny. funny. And, and it, oh, he catches John Belushi buzzing off. Oh, buzzing and, off. So that's yeah, like the yeah, how they get yeah, around yeah, it. Yeah. Perfect. So I, I I do think like you mentioned I think in the opening about how a lot of times with athletes they try to embarrass them or set them up in sure. some sort of like you know Derek Jeter and drag as a Yankee wife talking about how horrible Derek Jeter is stuff like that. Yeah. This is probably the. F- it's the first one I remember growing up where there was something like that where an athlete was put in a really like, whoa, what the hell is just happening? Yeah. Except I, I mentioned Tom Brady. Tom Brady would never do it. I, th- I think he's hosted once. Hmm. And I don't think he did anything that was remotely like controversial or anything. It was all like, kind of like light, sort of mm-hmm. like light ribbon joshing type of stuff. Yeah. Whew. Okay, guys, we are halfway through our episode here on athletes who appeared on SNL and did awesome sketches. And before we do the thing that we always do, where we beg you to download, rate, and review past episodes of our podcast, I'm going to do the thing where we ask you to use Audible. Why? Because you're going to get a free audiobook. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Here's a cool thing. If you wanted to learn more about sketches from SNL, read or listen to 39 years of short-term memory loss, the early days of SNL from someone who was there, written and narrated by Tom Davis of Franken and Davis. So that book is available on Audible, and there's 180,000 other titles. Audible has it all. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, I'll say it again, grab your pen, audibletrial.com slash Rushmore for your free audiobook. And we're back, but before we jump back into our third and fourth choices, we want to ask you to download, rate, and review past episodes to get on the Mount Rushmore Facebook page or Twitter handle or Instagram and get in the dialogue. Let us know shows that you'd like to see, topics you'd like to hear discussed. We are back, and it's uh, Michael coming in with his third choice. My third choice was from 1996, and it was a weekend update segment with uh, Carrie Strug. Uh, famous injured uh, gymnastics, a uh, US, uh, USA gymnastics uh, hero, hero mm-hmm. uh, who appears uh, next to um, Chris Kattan, right? If it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, next to Chris Kattan, who's playing her brother Kippy Strug. <laughs> and uh, the, two of them, <laughs> the two of them are sitting there uh, being welcomed by like Norm MacDonald. And, you know, he's asking them questions. And uh, uh, they're both dressed exactly the same way in, like, the big USA uh, kind of starter jacket-looking thing, like yeah, a yeah, cool-down yeah. jacket. And uh, Chris Kattan has, like, her same kind of real Karen, short haircut. Mm-hmm. And was, uh, they're both, you know, he starts speaking in, like, ball. her high-pitched voice. Because she's, like, you know, 15 years old. Yeah. She's, she's just a kid. And probably has had her growth stunted <laughs> by, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever hormones they gave yeah. uh, they gave gymnasts yeah, back in what, the 90s. What is the Komenichi in, pill. Yeah. The, what is in that chunk? <laughs> it's all over their hands. You it's don't, all over their nose. You, you don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> but they're, you know, they're talking about uh, Norm Macdonald's kind of asking really them about, like, oh, you know, Carrie, what did, what happened, you know, when you went up there and you sprained your ankle? What was the thing when you sprained your ankle? And she's like, well, you know, I just went up there and I gave a little prayer. And then he jumps in and he's like, I gave a little prayer. <laughs> it's really like, like he's doing an impersonation of her, yeah. a kind of a weird, like it's her, but it's not. It's yeah. like a male version. And she's. You know, like all gymnasts do, she keeps her composure through mm-hmm. the entire thing. 
until the end when like you know someone dressed up as uh, Bella Caroli comes in and like lifts her up and takes her <laughs> away. And, uh, it's just one of those like uh, you could do it, Gary. <laughs> you could do it. I love seeing an athlete parodied in front of them. Yeah, where you know they can look at themselves in the mirror and just see how mm-hmm. you know. It, like you said, it was she was a hero at the time. Yeah, and she's genuinely injured and still went out and performed again and then yeah. you know basically limped off and there's something humanizing when uh, these people who I still think of the Olympic Olympians as almost Greek gods as these people who've shown themselves to be above mere mortals through their athletic prowess and to see an SNL actor make fun of them brings them down to every every man's status mm. which is right which is kind of fun and she was, I don't think she was the host of the show. They just kind of brought her in. Like, it they must just have been like right after the Olympics, right? Yeah, they like, just had like a bit and it was mm-hmm. just like, just so well done. Which yeah. is the type of thing SNL can do with athletes. They can, you mentioned sort of whoever the hottest or whoever just won yeah. something. They don't necessarily need to build a whole episode around that person as the host. A lot of times they can use often Weekend Update as sort of a... yeah. A, a platform mm-hmm. to do something with whoever won some championship or I know when the Cubs won the World Series last year they had oh, sure. they had them right. come on to fly the W and they had Bill Murray in there to sing a song and it was yeah. all kind of like, like drunken John, and weird or if John Goodman is out of rehab or needs a $700 <laughs> that week or something they do the sports fans yeah he seems like he plops, in, plops in what's there. interesting uh, just to before we move on you mentioned Kerry Strug and I always you think about like Boy, hosting SNL has got to be like this peak thing for an athlete. And they must only get like the most famous athletes of all time. Then you look at the list of athletes who've hosted SNL. And it's a real smorgasbord of like up and down. Like, yeah, for every Reggie Jackson you've got, you know, you've got a Johnny Mosley, you know, the snowboarder. Yeah. Famous guy for about 20 minutes. Or, who is he, who, or, John, or Andy Roddick, the tennis player, something who, like that. Who is the other snowboarder that is more famous? Sean White. Yeah, whose yeah. name I can't remember. Yeah. Never hosted. Yeah, never hosted. Mm. Okay. So weird. I do wonder. I bet, I bet, you know, I can write every Sean White um, SNL sketch involve him in 10 be, minutes. Yeah. Either he's high or he's... Uh, Got red. He's the Wendy's guy. He's the brother of the Wendy's girl. Maybe maybe, yeah. we're, maybe there's like a carrot top, carrot top sort of thing, situation yeah. going on. We Children got, of the corn. That's four. <laughs> well, okay, that's four. Let's get a, a digital short does, in there. We got Weekend Update. Okay, let's, let's, Two let's, musical numbers and we're, we're home. Okay, okay. Guys, yeah. Does Lauren Michaels really think we're going to get the extreme sports audience to tune in to SNL? <laughs> this okay. is how we stay relevant. Well, guys, let's people. just stay up through Wednesday night on cocaine. We'll write this. We'll write the whole thing. That powder again. Go from there. Richard, your third is what? All right. My third one is, while talking about there had been some athletes who are maybe not as lasting in their fame who had hosted, this one does not fall into that. This is Michael Jordan hmm. um, uh, when he was on with Stuart that, Smalley. How did, you guys feel, how did you guys feel about the Stuart Smalley sketches when they were a thing? I thought they were pretty hilarious. Right. We all like... I thought it was weird that Al Franken had come back. Yeah, because he was with one of the original were, yeah, guys, interns yeah. in the initial SNL, and then got on. Well, they were stage like they were like then, these like junior writers yeah, who got hired. Yeah, yeah. he. I, I always thought they were funny. I don't think I, you know, I was old enough to quite understand all of the humor around mm-hmm. it at the time, or yeah. like the twelve step program type thing. Yeah, like with with Alan on and everything. And then I, I was actually looking Al, at this Anon. episode, uh, or at this. Um, the sketch and just kind of reading about Stuart Smalley and or that character is kind of built on his past where like he was in oh. Alcoholics 
he was, was in really? Al-Anon well, it for was like his wife. His wife, right. So he, you know, he had, he obviously took all of this in as like a, a writer and a comedian, which is like, oh, this is totally someone that I have to yeah, parody. He, he talks about this a lot in the audiobook for his book that came out, The Al Franken Giant of the Senate. Oh, I have, is, is it good? Well, if you want to listen to it, you can check it out at audible.com. Get a free trial, by the way. <laughs> Just go to uh, audible.com slash Rushmore. Hmm. Um, trial. Audibletrial.com. God damn it, I screwed up my own read. <laughs> um, no, so the whole premise, and by the way, I, I bring that up because I do remember really liking the Daily Affirmations mm-hmm. sketches, but I think collectively, like, we all remember it as Stuart Smalley, saves, Stuart saves his family. Yeah, which is a rotten story. And now has become like a, a bad punchline. Yeah. And I don't even know if the movie's any good or not. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it, so yeah. who the hell knows? But I think, like, we remember those sketches as being kind of at least clouded by that memory. Yeah, yeah. So they have Michael Jordan come on, and the whole thing is basically about uh, Stuart Smalley trying to get him to admit that sometimes he thinks lays in bed at night and thinks that maybe I'm not going to put the ball in the basket, yeah, and I'm not going to get any points. And obviously, it's Michael Jordan who we all know kind of in real life has probably got an ego the size of Illinois. Yeah, the most confident person in America. Right. So he's like, no, I don't really have that at all. <laughs> but they eventually get him to say, well, sometimes he does get nervous before big games. Then he has to go through the whole like looking at himself in the mirror. Yeah. And this, first off, this is where we kind of learned Michael Jordan had kind of a more of a personality than just dunking a basketball mm-hmm. or being on Nike commercials where he mm-hmm. dunks a basketball. Or hanging out with Mars Blackman and dunking basketballs. This must have also been kind of pre-championship Jordan, right? No, like, I was 91, so he'd already like started, I think it was right before his... It was before maybe his, his maybe his, right, Maybe after his first championship. Okay. It was like right in that time frame. I think maybe that's why they had him on, because he'd finally won his mm-hmm. first championship. Makes sense. Um, But it's really... It, it, he is one of the ones you don't think of as being like a great comedian, but at the same time, it worked. He had several good sketches on this. He had a, a yeah. super fans that yeah. we talked about that he came on as Michael Jordan and basically spent their they spent their whole time wanting to talk to him about Mike Ditka. Yeah, yeah. And and more most importantly, we probably wouldn't have got uh, Space Jam <sighs> if it wasn't for this. Oh, so interesting point. Th- there you go. Mm-hmm. And they did do a follow up a couple of years later with uh, Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. where he came on and tried to say that he didn't care about not having won a championship. Uh, yeah. And then they brought Muggsy Bogues in to get him to finally admit that it was tearing him up uh-huh. inside. So that's, that, <laughs> if you want to know the difference between Jordan and Barkley, there you go. I would say those sketches also bring to light what SNL was missing sorely, and that was the African-American um, presence on that show. Wait, There's Michael a- Jordan's black? Oh, Jesus. Eek. And uh, one thing I think was so funny about those sketches was the extreme whiteness of the uh, Stuart Smalley character. <laughs> right, probably the whitest person in America. Yeah. yeah. In contrast with this, perhaps the most egregious amount of confidence in and a towering <laughs> athletic figure. Who also, Stuart Smalley clearly knows nothing about sports. Yeah, yeah. Which also is part of the fun. Believe me, I know what it's like laying there awake, all those tapes rolling. I'm a fraud. Tomorrow, I'm going to be exposed for what I am, a big imposter. I just want to curl up and lay in bed all day and eat Fig Newton. Well, something like that. Right. Well, Michael, those negative thoughts are your critical inner voice saying those things to you. And I want to replace those negative thoughts with something positive, a daily affirmation. Affirmation? Yes. Now, look in the mirror. Come on. Don't look at me, only you can help you. That's it. Say, 
Hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. I don't have to be a great basketball player. I don't have to be a great basketball player. I don't have to dribble the ball fast or throw the ball into the basket. I don't have to dribble the ball fast or throw the ball in the basket. Because all I have to do is be the best Michael I can be. All I have to do is be the best Michael I can be. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Now, don't you feel better? Well, I never really felt bad. My God. No, it's true. Stuart, I guess pretty much of the time, I'm, I'm a very happy person. I mean, I'm a blessed person. God gave me the talent to play basketball, and I have been able to spread some of that talent and some of that good feeling to, uh, towards everybody and inspire other people and help people achieve their dreams. I am just a fool. <laughs> I... I don't know what I'm doing. They're gonna cancel the show. I'm gonna die homeless and penniless. I'm 20 pounds overweight, and no one will ever love me. Stuart, that, that's just not true. I think what you're saying in your show can be very helpful to people. You think so? Yes, definitely. I just don't think it helps beating yourself up that way. You're right, it's just thinking, thinking. And after all, this show is your dream. It's a good dream. And you deserve to have dreams come true. Feel better? Would you like a hug? Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Stuart. You know what? I think this is the best show I've ever done. And you know what? I deserve it. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Yeah, I do uh, like that the uh, Stuart Smalley character is like, I, I don't know if he's an actual therapist. I don't think, no, he's not a licensed yeah. therapist. No, they talk about how he's a, 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 a caring and giving and nurturing person who has yeah. been through many, many programs. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I still think that's what people who are so, like, hesitant to, to, to go to therapy think that therapists yeah. alike that they right. think that they're all kind of like these kind of Namby measly yeah, namby pamby yeah. kind of characters touchy feely yeah. kind of guys yeah like yeah. no they're, they're, yeah. they're real doctors Michael you're fourth uh, my last one is titled Big Bernard Gets a Spanking starring famous athlete Shaquille Shaq O'Neal uh, oh you mean one of the one of the most famous uh, the non-actors turned most actors most famous non-actors <laughs> turned actors nah, Bernard get your ass over here Sorry I'm late, Dad. Sit your ass down. What time was you supposed to be home? Midnight, Dad. Okay, now what time is it now? Two o'clock, Dad. Okay, using the art of subtraction, how late exactly are you? Two hours, Dad? Close enough. Listen, son, I told you the next time you were late, 
I was gonna take you over my knee, now lay your ass on my lap. You can't spank me, Dad, I'm too big. Look, I ain't afraid of you, Bernard. You think I'm wussy? No. Now lay your ass on my lap. Uh, it's a very spice. simple sketch. Uh, I got to spank me some home. butt. Uh, to Tracy Morgan, his father, who's sitting on the couch. <laughs> okay, you've got me already. Tracy, uh, he came home late, and Tracy Morgan's sitting on the couch, and he starts berating him. And the size difference between these two is, you know, Tracy mm-hmm. Jordan's probably five foot six or yeah. five foot eight or something, and then Shaq's just twice his size. Mm-hmm. And uh, he starts yelling at him and basically saying that I'm going to have to teach you a lesson, and starts to give Shaq a spanking, <laughs> and Shaq like lays over him and do, like dwarfs him <laughs> and gobbles up this like the couch is yeah. probably a six foot couch and he's clearly he you know leans over both edges uh, edges of the couch and he's just like this gigantic man getting like spanked by tracy morgan and he's like he's like this is the last time i'm gonna have to and you're gonna feel it. and all the time you know shaq's just like smiling and can't feel a thing because of, of his size and at the end he kind of like um sits in his lap and like cuddles him until he falls asleep. Uh-huh. But I, I like when uh, athletes can do real physical yeah. humor. Mm-hmm. Like I think they, they can understand it. Not that they're stupid, but I think it, it plays into their character of like, you know, it's like the Peyton Manning thing. Like he can throw a football and peg a kid. Right. Like he knows how to do all the football stuff. Fallon does this. I feel like Ellen DeGeneres does this. They think what would America love to do with this person? And how would America love to see this person and break it down to the most rudimentary way? And in some cases, these the tallest athlete, if you could see him getting you know, bent over and spanked like a little, treated like a little kid. That this too, sort so. of segs into the, my last pick a little yeah. bit. So, oh, good. so my last pick is, I think, well, it features first off a, a, a podcast favorite, Paul Simon. Not an athlete. Hey, guys, he's Jeff, you've got to get it. You can't allow this. He's not an athlete. It does, it does oh. also feature an athlete. No, oh, so okay. he is. I, I mean, uh, I, I just, you know, just, just, just Joshin, just Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, so, we, I mean, we are Simon Cast, your Paul Simon podcast of record, as we uh, previously determined. Hearts and bones, everybody. Hearts and asthma. So, this was actually the second ever episode of Saturday Night Live, which was hosted by Paul Simon, and he also performed because he's best friends with Gordon Michaels yeah. from God knows how they're best friends, but. They, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess it's like two for one. <laughs> yeah, we need you to come host, okay, and play music. They only had to pay, they didn't have a lot of budget back then, so they only had to pay scale once, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So then this was again second episode, so they kind of hadn't figured out the formula yet. So there's like, if you watch this first half, just half the first season, there's a lot of like really long pre-taped bits, and it's it, they haven't quite got there's the musical acts get a lot more time. It's just, it's. A, and they have this in the middle of the weekend update. There's about a five or you know, six minute sketch that is basically Paul Simon has been challenged to a one on one game of basketball by Connie Hawkins, who was a playground legend in New York, had been caught up in a college betting point shaving scandal that he had nothing to do with, but basically was blackballed from the NBA for about a decade. Then, starting like 70, he came back and was one of the better players in the league after that. And was like 6'8. He was. He was almost like a, he would have been a prototypical type player today. Very high flying guy who could slash and get to the basket, even though he was big and 6'8 and could rebound and play defense. You know, probably one of the highest jumpers ever to play the game. So you contrast that with little 5'5 Paul Simon. 
and the whole whole premise of the sketch is that Connie Hawkins has challenged Paul Simon to play this basketball game. Paul Simon has accepted. That's my favorite part about it. It's it's that each he challenged the smallest person, yeah. the smallest celebrity you, you you can find. And this is and, and they have Marv Albert in there to kind of do the commentary on it, um, leading up to it. And the one sort of Paul Simon's more the star of the skit, but Connie Hawkins has I think maybe one of the best lines. They bring him over to ask why did he challenge Paul Simon. He's like, well, you know, I, I heard Paul Simon's one of the, I, I asked around who the best players are on the playground now, and I think this Paul Simon is one of the best. And, yeah, I heard he's got a lot of chutzpah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to hear him just talk about him having a lot of chutzpah. Yeah. It, it, it's just sort of, again, not an athlete that you would think of being like, mm-hmm. a comedic timing necessarily. Yeah. Probably never done anything using like this Giddish. before in his yeah. life. Yeah. Suddenly he's like using Giddish to talk about this guy. Mm-hmm. They ask him if he thinks well, there's a chance Paul Simon could get hurt. He just kind of looks like First of all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the majority of the sketch is the is based on it's. It is based on that same sort of com- today, comedic uh, dynamic of incredibly tall Tony Hawkins and a little short Paul Simon, with the twist being that Paul Simon actually beats him in the basketball uh, game. And it kind of works because like, I mean, Paul Simon looks like he can play basketball probably a little bit, and he's probably a good athlete. So he's just, but he's doing all these like little guy stuff, right? Like little baby hook shots and like stealing the, going through a lot of layups, practically going through his Connie Hawkins legs to get a basketball and stuff like that. So it lets Connie Hawkins kind of do a lot of this physical kind of stuff. The last thing they do is. Paul Simon kind of gets a ball and then stops and lets Connie Hawkins like jump completely over him so he can get the winning layup. Mm-hmm. And you can see while this is going on, Connie Hawkins just has this biggest grin on his face. Like, like, and I, and partially, I, I like the sketch because it's a really funny sketch. They do like sort of the post game interview with Paul Simon afterward, and he t- kind of turns into a little bit of the conceited sort of post game athlete who won. Well, I tell you what, man, when I, I, all I know is when I got my outside games on. It's on. <laughs> so, and, and on our old uh, team, the Ninjas, we used to do kickball team, Michael and I. We used to do uh, occasional post-game press conferences. Yeah. And that basically was my persona when I would do them, would be kind of the the, the hero who was super conceited but didn't quite understand that. Yeah. And so, A, it's a funny sketch, but B, you can tell Connie Hawkins is just having an absolute blast doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And... I, I can pretty much guarantee you at no point in his strange, bizarre, star-crossed career he thought he would be on a you know, network TV comedy show playing a one-on-one basketball game with a 5-5 Jewish singer. And he just looks And like losing. And losing. And that's, you know, that that's something that, you know, I'm sure a lot of athletes would have turned that down because they would have said, well, I'm not going to lose to... Yeah, yeah, him. yeah. He went along with it. You just tell he's having a great time. It, it just makes me laugh mm-hmm. to hear. <laughs> My favorite bit about the sketch was uh, Paul Simon's wearing a decimal O2. Yeah. And Marv Albert. <laughs> Why are you wearing that number? Like, well, my, just, num- my number from uh, high school. High school. Uh, <laughs> That's just always been my number. Don't know why. Yeah. Okay, guys. This was a fun topic. And it's, it's only struck me after you brought up this topic that how many of those sketches we've had over the 30 plus years of SNL and how cool they are to, to see. So... Um, I like that you said 30 plus. It, that it, show has been on for forever. Is it it's 40? like 40 it's, something. Yeah, they did their 40th anniversary like two, three years ago. Are you serious? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, my gosh. So. It's just funny how like everything feels like it was like 30 years ago. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, Star Wars, you know, 30 years ago. It's like, that movie's 40 years old too. And you're like, 
Oh, oh my dear. Gosh. Yeah, How yeah. old am I? Well, yeah, like 76. Or, yeah, well, crazy. <laughs> okay, yeah. So um, here's, here's the scoring. Now, I'm just going to start with what I think is unique because you guys had two crossovers. I thought the Bernard gets a spanking um, was really fun and deserved points the way you described it to me. Uh, I really like that Connie Hawkins one-on-one basketball. That's really great. Um, I also really thought the daily affirmation sketch with Stuart Smalley and Michael Jordan was one that really stood out in my memory. So that's one because the great minds take alike for Richard. And then um, I'm also going to take the uh, I'm going to take the Carrie Scrug and Kippy Scrug. Uh, from Michael Winfield, so I guess we're two and two. Well, we when, well, when you pull out Chris Catan, yeah, <laughs> you, you can't lose. Yeah, you've got a Catan, Catan, a Catanvis, Catan, Catan Vantage. Oh, oh God. Okay, uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 